ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Runner Back Podcast, episode 76, lads, 76. I know it was a return episode last week, but um, the boys took an extra week off on the back of it because uh, myself and Stoney got back uh, pretty late. Uh, we had a quite a big UFC 284 Perth trip. We were a little bit worse aware, to be honest with you. We had three days of, uh, I don't know what you call it, just three days of events bloody great time but it just took a little bit more recovery time it was a bit hard to get up for the podcast the following week and uh here we are two weeks later post UFC 284 pre UFC 285 now which we'll jump into on episode 76 uh let me throw it over to my man on my right Stoney, how are you? Good, mate, good. Uh, three days of mayhem is what I'd, I'd put it, and we were just flat as a tack come, <laughs> come Monday for Super Bowl, which was a big non-event. Nah, terrible. But the boys just sound as young as we once were, DL, so mm-hmm. it did take a bit of bouncing back. Yep, uh, but what a what a fucking great, great, great weekend we had. Oh, we had a ripper. Ripper. Wish the stat man could have been, been there with us, but that small element aside, perfect weekend. Yeah, absolutely. Loved absolutely. It. Statman, what do you how do you see it from home? Yeah, so I the I think I had a message you boys. Uh the um the energy in the pub that I was at was next level, probably the most most hyped I've seen an Australian crowd in a pub uh was for that fight. So I can't even imagine and I'm sure that we'll dive into it, but I can't even imagine what the noise would have been like in the arena for that fight. Uh the Australian the Australian crowds are always so noisy. Um, but yeah, I, I yelled myself horse in a pub on the central coast. I can't imagine what, uh, you boys would have experienced, uh, in Perth. Yeah. Well, it's, it's always hard to get up 7am in the morning and push your first <laughs> beer down. I think there was only the first shout maybe had two beers in it and then the boys moved quickly onto the spirits. So yeah, when you're, when you're looking at your clock and it's nine o'clock and you're already, uh, a little bit tipsy, you know, you're in trouble. And, and you lost your voice early as well. Yeah. You? lost it's my about, voice early. Just it's after only, the jack fight. It's still recovering, to be honest. You hear from me, I'm still a little bit funny about it, but um, it's good fun. Yeah, Je- the Jenkins fight, I was up and about. All right, boys. Like we said, episode 76, we're going to touch on a bit from Perth. I know it's a couple of weeks ago for the listeners, but we'll, we'll circle back around and, and finally get to your C285, Jones versus Garn this weekend. Pretty excited about that. So as per usual, let's jump into the podcast with a little hot take. Bit of a new format this year with Hot Take. A little bit more of a roundtable discussion. We've got some. We've got some key points. Our observations from USC two eighty four and uh, uh, me and Stony attended the Eternal seventy three event. Bloody great day, Stony, wasn't it, mate? Phenomenal day. Uh, heading into it, a little bummed out that our boy JVH was a late withdrawal, but didn't take long before we we kicked up a, a gear and we were, we're straight into the action. So some absolute. Banger fights on that card. Uh, I tell you what, we, we'll touch on the Stephen Ersig, but mm. I want to want to touch on our, our friend of the podcast, El Alden Bates. Oh, uh, I think that's one of the best atmospheres uh, for a local event. That yeah. fight, the, it was it was a great precursor to what was in store the following day. Yeah, um, we had 
So Statman, we had Dan Hooker and Israel Adesanya just down in front of us, uh, obviously cheering on their boy, uh, giving giving some meme mugging as yeah, well there on was. the way out, yep. staring down Alden Bates. Yep. We, we need to get him back on the potty and have a chat to him about this. Yeah, that would be cool. Uh, but yeah, phenomenal, phenomenal night. Really enjoyed it. And just, as we said, led in really nicely to what was to come. We had the proper 12 drinks package yeah, there. No, don't know, no proper 12 on the uh, on the drinks package. You had to pay for the proper 12, so it was a little bit... I don't know if we were, we were proper satisfied, but we gave it a proper <laughs> crack so <laughs> we definitely gave the ciders a good run so that was <laughs> that was good but now the eternal 73 was uh was a fantastic event that's the first time we've been to uh, the perth event last time we went to the melbourne event really and that's the great thing about eternal it's so well run we had some great seats like we said we we got the vip package and we had the front rows who had no one in front of us and uh you know the bar was just behind us so we had a ripping day it started at like two or three o'clock in the afternoon so the boys did quite well Try to get the lads to get into bed before midnight, but um, you know, Stony <laughs> Stony disappeared for a couple of hours, but he, he had a good night too. So, uh, now nah, good fun. Uh, yeah, Stephen Ursich got the call up for the UFC after it. Yeah, long overdue, I, I would say. Uh, I, I've been expecting this for for quite some time, boys, and it was it, it was always a case of when's that call going to come. And I guess it was a bit similar with Jack. We we, we were thinking that at, at various times in his career with Eternal as well. Uh, but glad it come. Uh, he just wasn't he just tearing through opponents. Uh, uh, and was it three minutes? It, it didn't yeah. take long. It, it, he's clearly a class above, and that's no disrespect to the other competitors uh, that he's faced. But if ever I've seen someone who's ready for that next step up, it is him. And, you know, we just cannot wait to see uh, how his career trajectory goes from here. I think he basically got signed straight after the thing. I think was Hunter in the, in the yeah, crowd or something uh, like the, obviously, obviously a huge benefit having the UFC in town the next day. It's a little bit disappointing that he didn't get a chance to fight on the UFC card. But what I loved about that was they obviously saw the talent and kind of the threat that he poses at both flyweight and metaweight, and they didn't make him go through the contender series. They've signed him to a multi-fight deal for the UFC. So um, deserved. I don't think every fighter needs to go through the contender series. I don't think um, Jack Jenkins or obviously Jack Della, seeing how he's running through the UFC, I don't think they, those kind of Australian talent need to go through the contender series. So it's really nice to see Ursi uh, just go straight straight into the big team. And that leads us perfect segue into their Statman, into the Aussie assault on 284. I don't, I don't know if you could hear it from home, Statman, but the, the energy, like you said, the pub was going off, but it was so loud in RCA Arena. And the, I think the first taste of it was when Jenkins walked out. It was. That's that's what got the crowd right up and about. Um Statman, I was saying to D.O. heading into the event that one thing that I was a little bit disappointed, having experienced a, a Conor McGregor fight and, and the passion that the Irish fans bring, one thing I'd never really seen was the intensity from an Aussie crowd. And I was saying, I really hope this is the event that that, that all changes. And it just blew us away. It was it was right up there. But D.O.'s right. Kicked off with the really the Jenko fight was when the crowd first got up and about. And it just really went from there. That, you know... It, probably remiss to say but Jenko top three fight oh. for us heading into it it was yep. maybe the third fight on the card pretty yep. early in the day yeah uh, and, and I run into to one of Jack's mates outside in the bar like shortly after and it was a case of it was just relief to see that win it was you know as much as we mm. enjoyed it it was just a pure relief to you know the monkeys off the back mm. the first win in the UFC and you know 
the trains rolling now, boys. Yeah, it was really good. And the jack of old, he just went straight to the legs um, and he yeah. just kept hacking at those legs. Did, how did that look from home, Statman? It, it, it looked brutal. I, I think at the end of the first round, one of my favourite exchanges, Don Shanus landed uh, a heavy leg kick of his own and he kind of pointed at Jack and said, hey, see, I can do this too. And Jack shrugged his shoulders and belted him with the hardest kick of the round so far. So, um I think I think Don Shaner's probably went back to his corner regretting that he'd try to go uh, leg kick with leg kick. Um, but Jenkins looked amazing. The you, you guys wouldn't have had the benefit of the commentary, but the commentary was singing his praises nonstop from the very, very beginning. And it was a, it was a clinical performance from uh, Jenkins. It looked amazing. I think anyone uh, with maybe a bit less grit would have gone down to those leg kicks. Um, but he got a good chance to show his... his long-term game and he's in 15 minutes in the UFC is, is good time under your belt. Yeah. He's trying to shake that one trick pony line. From, uh, Actually oh, he was saying in his interviews that he's embracing it, which I love that's from Jenko. He just, um, he just went after it. And the Aussie love continued. I, I know we had a few more Aussies get up. The hooligan got up. Yep, with the Paddy yep. Pimblet call out yep. at the end. Love that. I love that. Yeah. We also saw um, we saw him in the pub later on. Uh, he was um, enjoying his evening. Who else could we got up? We got Jack Della. Jack Della got up as well. Yeah, Jimmy Crute with Josh the Josh Coolabelle, Jimmy Crute. Yeah, Jimmy Crute. Yep. Justin one. Tuffer got the the one Ooh. the one minute walk away Mark Hunt knockout, which yep. was amazing. Yep. yep. But Jack Della. Randy Brown is a is obviously a very very dangerous opponent, and for that first minute and a half, I think I don't know if I breathed too much. I was like holding my breath in because Brown was stalking him, uh, and credit to Madalena, like the composure that he showed, and then the very first shot that he landed in the fight um, really really changed the the makeup of the game. But Randy Brown looked great, and and Della Madalena, I think that's four first round finishes in the UFC to start his run. Um, which is just, I, I don't think you can think of a, a better way to start your career with the mm-hmm. UFC. Yeah. Um, and he should be in the co-main or main moving forward. hundred percent. He, he's just clinical. And just to, to circle back to, uh, the night before Alden Bates. So I think my introduction to Alden Bates was his fight with Jack Della and talk about a loss that just has not aged badly. Mm. Seeing what Jack no. Della has gone on to do since then. Uh, yeah, he, he's just something to, yeah, something else. It's one of the most uh, brutal KOs uh, that I can remember yeah. seeing from the regional scene as well, which is so painful to watch seeing and knowing uh, what, how good a guy Alden Bates is, but it's such a beautiful KO from um, Jack Della. So um, one of my favourite KOs of all time. And then we moved on to the main event. I think the Josh Calabro as well, uh, he got a yeah. uh, submission. Yep. And then let's move on to the main. The one thing we want to find out is, boys, how did you actually score it? Oh, man, I, I was I was trying to keep my brain focused on how the fight was going, and I think I started losing around about the third or fourth round. I started to, and I imagine it would be similar for you guys as well, as as you were there live. It's so hard to try and keep a judge scorecard in your head. When it went to the judges, I knew that uh, I knew that Volk had had potentially done enough to win, but I wasn't confident in the decision either way. I haven't actually gone back and like watched it from a judging perspective but I tried to do it from the beginning but the hype in the in the bar was just absolutely so extreme um I think it's one of those fights where depending on what you favor depending on what you focus on and depending on what you score more heavily you can score it a multiple amount of different ways I think that the thing that we can all agree on is the 49 46 scorecard for Islam's 
probably a little bit ridiculous. But I think three, two, either way would have been a perfectly uh, acceptable, uh, acceptable. And this actually is something that I wanted to talk to Stoney about because I know that pound for pound, you as a concept, you absolutely hate. With Volk obviously not being... He weighed in at the same amount as Islam, but obviously not the same size as Islam. With him coming either very, very close or even crossing that line, where would you rate him pound for pound? Would you rate him above Islam or would you rate him below? Look, I would. On the concept of pound for pound, I think the UFC got it right and it was uh, fairly brazen because yeah. the whole narrative was this is going to determine pound for pound number one. Uh, but then when you, you really think about it, he, he, he could have gone either way. So at the event DL, I had Islam just... Uh, and, and there was so much momentum for Volk at the end that that's what made it really it amazing. But having rewatched it, I actually, yeah, I, I gave that that second round to Volk. So I actually have have it for Volk on on rewatch. But at the event, I had it for Islam. But yeah, if we're talking pound for pound, uh, you know, Volk a, a, a smaller competitor in comparison, but you know, showed that he even can a close fight. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I think uh, credit to UFC. They. Um, you know, it's a bold call to, to not change that pound for pound, even though he lost, and, and I agree with it. So do we favour an immediate rematch, or do we just let some fights happen in between before we, we jump back into that one? Look, I, I, I'd like to do the immediate rematch. They've already, I think they've already shut it down today, Statman. I, I think I saw some some tweets or some comments from Dana White saying that uh, Volk will go back and, and defend at 145. Uh, the trouble with these rematches is, you, sometimes you need to strike when the iron's hot. And, and Dana's saying that it's a, it's a brilliant proposition that Volk can go back down, Islam can defend, and then they'll fight each other again. Now, you know, you, we've seen these perfect plans just get thrown, uh, you know, right out the window because there's an upset and, and then we never get to see see that rematch. So part of me wishes that they just ran it back straight away whilst the, the iron's hot, but uh, it doesn't look like we're going to get it, boys. I actually think that the UFC... Uh, can tend to rush the immediate rematch a little bit too often, and I think that sometimes it would take it would do a better route. And I don't know if that's necessarily the case here because I think that there is that inbuilt story. Um, Yaya Rodriguez obviously won the interim belt at UFC 284, looked fantastic doing it. So there is a compelling matchup there. Um, I don't know who you chuck Islam against, maybe Benil Dariush, but neither of those fights are while they might be stylistically interesting, are as interesting as uh, pound for pound number one and number two consensus going at it again because that first fight was as close as you could possibly make it. If they put that as the headline of the uh, the the UFC week in July, the big, the big week uh, with the fan expo and everything like that, and maybe get another title fight in there as well, I think you could do some really, really good numbers. And I'm not normally someone who is supportive of immediate rematches i like to see fighters go back and work on the holes but honestly both fighters fought such a phenomenal uh hole proof game just chuck them back in again mm. yeah because they run the risk i mean i i know that this will you know stir the pot a bit but we've got conor mcgregor and chandler uh whether we like it or not i actually favor conor in that fight uh stylistically i know dl disagrees and Statman, you may as well but Connor gets a win, boys, whether we like it or not, there's a very good chance, you know, if Islam's still got the shot, that story sells itself. So I just feel that there, there's a nice little niche now where you do that rematch uh, because I can just see it being a, a missed opportunity where results don't necessarily go the way that favours the rematch. And we could be, you know, a couple of years down the track still talking about how great that 
284 fight was and um, wanting to see it again it just doesn't happen so it'll be interesting to see how it goes I hope we get to see it again a bit of controversy DL with the uh, the camp coming out claiming a potentially a bit of foul play uh, on Islam's behalf so I'm pretty sure that's not going to go anywhere um, but it just adds another layer to the story and and I think the, the more layers you get, the more invested you get. And, yeah, it's a shame that we're not going to see it straight away, I think. I know Dan Hooker backed away from his, his comments a, a tiny bit, but I, I think I saw an article today uh, when putting the rundown together for the potty that Joe, Joe Lopez has come out and said yep. he still has good information about what happened. Yeah, so. and Joe come out, he was a lot more cautious with his wording. I think uh, Dan Hooker, I don't think he's backed away in a sense that he's cooled on his belief that there yep. wasn't any foul play. I think he's backing away from a defamation standpoint. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Unless you can actually prove the claims, you, you, you walk into that awkward legal territory. So, yeah. um, I might be I might be a little bit off base here, uh, maybe – uh, a little contrarian as well, but I, I probably would have preferred nobody say anything until they had that proof, and then they could have come out with mm. it. I felt that maybe it was a little bit too close to the rather controversial ending to the fight. It had had the potential to come across as sour grapes, rather than, especially when they didn't have the uh, the the proof to back it up or the smoking gun or anything like that. So, I worry that with them coming out so soon after the fight with no substantial evidence that it does kind of uh, cheapen the, I suppose, the the way that Alex took that loss and the way that Alex uh, moved forward with the, the potential rematch in the future. I worry that it might have soured the waters a little bit. All right, boys, I think we might move on. I think we're, we're going to hear a lot more of that moving forward, but uh, let's jump into the next one. Now, boys, I know you you two are both really excited about this tough 31. Boys, what we love about this story is uh, you would have seen the press um, conference the other day with Dana White and uh, someone asked him about McGregor's special treatment on tough 31. Dana's response, brilliant. Who gives a shit? Statman, you take it away, mate. Because uh, I'm, I'm firmly in Dana's camp here. Like, <laughs> yeah. who, who gives a shit? Like. You've got, the, you've got the man of the hour every hour. Of course, he's going to get some some extra sway that others are not because you you look, yeah. it's, it's still a business. Um, you know, it sold for a heck of a lot and a big reason that sold for that amount was Con, the Conor McGregor yeah. factor. So, uh, of course, he's going to get some special treatment and, and whether people like it or not, that's just the reality. So, uh, over to you, Stats. I, I, I won't hide that I don't. Uh, that I don't dislike it. I obviously dislike it. I don't like fighters getting a special treatment. If anyone's going to get special treatment, it's Conor McGregor. He brings in so much money. It 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 would be wild to throw away having Conor McGregor on your TV show over integrity. I like I like businesses that have integrity. I like sports organizations that run with integrity. But that's not that's not how you make billions of dollars. Uh, it is a an unjust thing to, and I'm sure who gives a shit. I'm sure that the fighters who were canned on the show probably give a shit. And I think Dana later in that interview said, well, we'll give them opportunities. We're not going to pack their bags and send them off. If they had a lead with a press conference that said that it might've gone down a little bit smoother than it leaking out on Twitter and then uh, leading off with the, who gives a shit. Uh, but I'm, I'm not a naive little boy. I do understand that the the world does unfortunately run on um on those metrics and Conor McGregor brings in a fuck ton of views and a fuck ton of money. So 
obviously he's going to get preferential treatment. I like how Dana used, what did he use? He goes, oh, he's come all the way from Ireland. Like he's flown here in private plane. (laughs) Yeah. I'm sure he's fine. He's fine. Yeah. Dale, what would you do if Conor McGregor was coming on the podcast and he says, you've got to get rid of your co-hosts because I want to bring my boy... Ian Gary on the on the show. Where's your integrity stand? Are me and Satman still getting a, a Guernsey on that that episode? No, no, exactly. Like, <laughs> exactly. And, and there's, you'd, be fake, you'd be a fucking fool. No, you'd be a fool. There, there's no offense taken. Uh, no so, way. and that's just the landscape. And as Satman said, it does suck for the the ones that got kicked off. But so long as there's some sort of commitment to them being on the next show, or, you know. I like it. I like it, boys. All right, let's move on to the next one. All right, boys, I thought I'd throw in a little bit of a feel-good story. This is from uh, the card on the weekend, the return of Tatiana Suarez. How good does this feel? Four years away from the octagon. Oh, my God, I'm so happy. Man, I've been dreaming about this for a long time. Wasn't able to fight. And it's really hard when you can't do what you love to do the most. And um, I know what it's like to lose one dream, and I didn't want to lose another. So um, for me, I just felt like I'm just really happy that I can show anybody if they're going through tough times to keep your head up because it's going gonna, it's gonna to work out. And um, that autism that I have in my, my heart and my, my, my mom taught me that because, you know, she knew I was going to have... You know, really tough life. I grew up in, you know, a single parent home. And, um, you know, I was a male-dominated sport. And I was told my whole life that I shouldn't be there. So here I am. And I, I belong here. Stan, what a return. Yeah, it was, it was a phenomenal performance. But then also to factor in all that she'd been through, not just obviously in the most recent break, but all that she's been through in her career um, to get to this point. There's the amount of perseverance and the amount of... Um, I suppose, internal drive that she has to keep going is really, really impressive. She's also happens to be one of the top prospects in her division. Um, she looks a little bit outsized moving up to 125, but she still dominated the grappling exchanges. She's moving back down to 115 next fight uh, from what she said. And I, I expect as long as she can get that strength of schedule under her, um, she'll be amazing. But not many fighters return after three and a half years. And you think three and a half years, uh, it's or four years, it's it's. 2019 so she's gone through all of this rehab all of this during uh, a global pandemic and 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 all of the challenges that came with that as well all the while she's been driving and striving and having setback and setback and setback and the fact that she can still show up and can still dominate um get the submission get the finish uh really really motivating really really kind of inspiring i'm really excited to see her hopefully get a couple more fights in 2023 100 everyone loves a good story of overcoming adversity and that resilience reminds me a lot of chael sonnen to be honest you would have seen the video i put up on the instagram story just recently boys love that it's a hard life man it's a hard life yeah 115 pound who's the champion Li Zhang. jesus yep that'd be a great fight that'd be really hey, when you got to pick between Li Zhang and valentina shevchenko you've got you kind of stuck between yeah. a rock and a hard place there. <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll see. Valentino fights this weekend. I mean, you're just pumping out these segues here. I think that's a perfect chance to jump into UFC at 285, boys. Boys, the card we've come here to talk about, UFC 285, John Jones, the return versus Cyril Garth. 
our boys. Before we jump into those two heavyweights, or heavyweights? Heavyweights. Heavyweights. Yeah, heavyweights. definitely a heavyweight. Yeah, it's weird. Outside of that main fight, which we're excited about, like, and this is the thing, when you have a polarizing main, you kind of lose what's happening below it. It's stacked. All three cards, your early prelims, your prelim, and your main card has some really good fights on it. Stoney, is there something in there? Statman, is there something in there you want to talk about? 100%. Uh, so, Statman, do you want to take it away? I've got lots to talk about here. So if anything jumps yeah. out, you, you you go for it. it, it mate, uh, similar to me, but I think the top seven fights are actually like really, really good fights. Um, it's actually wild that we have a, a card with this much depth. Um, if I was to highlight any of them, Shavkat Rachmanov against Jeff Neal is going to be an absolute banger with a big, big... Uh, repercussions for the future of the welterweight division but one of the ones that I'm most excited for uh, on a card absolutely stacked with it is Bo Nickel at 3-0 and uh, at middleweight making his UFC debut he's obviously been on the contender series he's uh, 2-0 and on the contender series uh, one of the greatest uh, collegiate wrestlers of all time in the US uh, making his UFC debut opening the, the pay-per-view card and I know that that's caused a bit of consternation from some of the more experienced fighters on the undercard. But what this guy could do, I I firmly believe that you could probably put Bo Nickel in a fight with um, Alex Pahea right now and it would be it would be a very, very competitive fight because Bo Nickel's wrestling and grappling is just so next level. It is it is Ronda Rousey making her run through the the the, the women's divisions level of mismatch. Bo Nickel is that good a grappler that it should be really, really exciting to see what he does. And I think the UFC has probably done him a bit of favours against Jamie Pickett. Um, they've got a fighter in Jamie Pickett who will help showcase Bo Nickel. Um, but Bo Nickel is a name to watch, will in all likelihood be a main event uh, top one, two, three fighter in the middleweight division in the future. Uh, very, very excited to see his UFC career get off to a start. Yeah, yeah. No, Bo, Bo Nickel, great choice. Look, DL, right, right off the top. Uh, Ian Gary, super, super keen to Ooh. see that ten and zip the next big prospect out of Ireland. I know, get a little bit carried away of the Irish factor, but uh, I'm, I'm really excited to see Ian Gary. Um, I reckon that's going to be a great fight, and I favour him heavily in in that one. Kicking off the early prelims, too. exactly. So yeah. that's what I mean. It's, uh, from from the very first fight, there's interest in this card, uh, all the way through. Uh, one of my personal favourites, and I've given up on any remote possibility he challenges or becomes title relevant again. But Cody Garbrandt, oh. so on the prelims, really looking forward to that. Even Derek Brunson, someone who he's almost like a gatekeeper for for his division. He's never really going to make that run for the title, but. You know, I enjoy. He's a very you know high level wrestler. Uh, I, I really rate him, and so to have him and Cody on on the preliminaries, I think, and Amanda Reaper, it's just a stacked card deal. So, mm. lots to like about it. Um, but yeah, Ian Gary's the one that, that I'm really looking forward to outside of the Bo Nickel fight. So we pulled these cards off off Google. They're probably not ripe. The prelims no, they're, only they're got three, three fights on it. Uh, there's one additional fight that it hasn't been confirmed yet, I believe. But yeah, it's 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 mostly right. But Gamrot Turner is is absolutely wild. We've got another title fight with Shevchenko, like uh, one of the pound for pound greatest of all time women's fighters. Uh, Driscus Duplessis, who's fighting Derek Brunson, is going to be amazing. Trevin Jones against Cody Garbrandt is going to be an interesting one for Cody Garbrandt's chin. 
there's there's so much good things, and and I, I do actually have a soft spot for Cody Garbrandt. I watched that Dominic Cruz fight again the other day, which is probably the single greatest performance of a of a fighter. He he looked he looked like a potential bantamweight goat in that fight, and he couldn't put it together past that. Um, I think TJ Dillashaw's uh, combinations shattered any chance of that, but. God, he looked so. He looked like a world beater. He looked absolutely untouchable in that fight. Um, so always love to watch uh, and tune in and see. Hopefully, he might have fixed some holes in his game there. Probably one of the top five moments in the theater. The uh, look, I reckon it would be, it. and we don't yeah. we don't throw that around lightly no, here, Dale. No. But it would have been it's the top five yep. uh, of all yeah all time. We should put that. We should put that together one time. We should put a top five, proper top five together. Let's do it. Last time we did a proper top five, uh, Carl Noak ripped us a new one. Remember that. <laughs> Oh, no. He was actually an eternal step man just down in front of us. <laughs> yeah, I saw I saw some photos of uh of of, of the, the view you had on him. I I spent that entire pay-per-view uh at a pub with my partner hyping up Dominic Cruz. Uh she was there for Ronda Rousey because I think it was Ronda Rousey versus Amanda Nunes after that fight. And I was there for Dominic Cruz and I spent the, the entire card hyping up Dominic Cruz and then Cody Garbrandt came out made him look like an amateur and then Ronda Rousey got knocked out in 60 seconds so it was a quiet ride home um (laughs) great great day (laughs) all right boys let's move into this main event and this is what I love about John Jones all right the world hasn't forgotten about John Jones I looked overseas markets local markets obscure markets there was no one that had this fight close they're all going all in on john jones boys is it going to be closer than that though look i i don't think so dl uh if it was a stand-up fight i think they've got it wrong but that's where i think it it, the odds are probably where i would have them because i i I look at john jones and i think he would have to be seeing some gaping holes from that nagano cyril garn fight uh that he can exploit because he he is a very good wrestler uh, and I think he's looking at this. I don't think John's looking to go out there and put on the best fight. He's not not doing a Michael Chandler in this fight. He's not looking to to make it an entertaining fight for the fans. He just needs a win. It's been you know quite a layoff, so he just needs to come back, debut in heavyweight, and get a win. And I think that's his mindset going into it. So he's going to be looking for this takedown. And I think once he gets it down, it, it's a very one sided fight. Now, if for whatever reason he struggles, and there's no evidence for me to think that he will struggle to get this to the ground, but if for whatever reason Cyril Garn manages to keep this on the feet, then I think it swings back in Cyril Garn's favour because we've seen how John Jones uh, historically has struggled against length. And, and we've got Cyril Garn who's coming in, who I rate enormously, much above uh, Dominic Reyes, God bless him. You know, he that didn't age well, that that narrow win, uh, w- which was definitely a win stat, man, um, over Dominic Reyes. But... Reyes has really fallen off the perch. Uh, Tiago Santos. Completely. Uh, completely OSP. So you look at a number of the fighters that Jones beat and, and didn't have uh, – really it didn't blow us away with his performance. They were against these bigger guys with a bit longer reach and, and Statman alluded to that in the Dominic Reyes lead-in, that that's why he thought it was going to be a Dominic Reyes uh, fight. Um Cyril Garn, he, he's got the length, he's got the speed, he's got the everything that would give John Jones enormous trouble. So it all rests on can John Jones get this fight down? I think he can. How about you, Statman? The t- the two fighters that I think you'd say gave John Jones, even if you don't think that he 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 lost those fights, the two fighters that I think you'd say gave John Jones by far his biggest test is Alexander Gustafsson 
and Dominic Reyes. And both fighters are six foot four, six foot five, with a decent length and decent reach on them. And I think you've hit the nail on the head there. Garn is that with a longer reach and an extra 40 pounds on him. Um, Garn fights big as well. Garn fights really, really long. Um, the takedown defense in that Francis Ngannou fight has me worried, but then also Alexander Gustafsson never really showed much offensive wrestling and was able to take down John Jones as well in that fight as well. So we know that we know that length and size is is a concern for John. Uh, we also know that he's been away from the game for over three years by the time that they, he locks in the in the cage. We know that he hasn't looked as good as he had previously. We know that he's also 35. Something that really struck me was that Jim Miller just hit his 42nd fight in the UFC. Jim Miller actually debuted in the UFC two events after John Jones debuted. So John Jones has been in the game for a really, really long time. And I think we still think of him as this young, dynamic prospect but he's not anymore he hasn't been for quite some time probably around the Chael Sonnen or post the Chael Sonnen fight um the thing that the thing about John Jones fights is that there's so many question marks about the layoff his declining performance moving up to heavyweight how all that's going to affect him but we know where his skill ceiling is we know where he is when he is at his game and every now and again he will pull that out of the bag and it makes it so that I'm not confident picking against him. I think the line should be closer. Um, John Jones, 164. I think that I'd probably swing it the other way. I'd probably have him as a slight underdog, probably around the 195 mark. Uh, just because of those question marks, we've seen Cyril Garn fight. We've seen Cyril Garn fight at heavyweight. We've seen Cyril Garn fight in the last two years. We know how he fights. We know we know all of that. We know how he fights against similarly sized opponents. There's just so many question marks around John Jones, but John Jones is John Jones, and I think that it is a funner world where John Jones comes in and dominates than if Cyril Garn uh, squeaks out a decision or even manages to finish him. Um, I think it's a funner world where John Jones comes out from a three-year layoff and dominates at heavyweight and takes the title. Um, I don't like the man. I, I think that I think that there's a lot of issues both inside the cage and outside the cage. Um, and I also think that he has lost and cost cost me a point against Dominic Reyes. Um, so I will forever hold that that chip on my shoulder. But I, I'm rooting for John Jones to win this fight. I've been keen for him to go up to heavyweight for seven years now. And he's been saying it for so long. So I still probably won't believe it until Bruce Buffer's introducing them. Um, but he's here. He's at heavyweight. He's fighting for the heavyweight title. I just want another vintage John Jones performance because at 35, I don't know how much more we have of vintage John Jones left in us. Um, and I'm hoping that we've still got one more performance in him. And just quickly, the, the element of surprise on those uh, takedowns, you mentioned Gustafsson versus John Jones. I think there's an element of that to, to read into the Silgano and Francis Ngano. No one was 100%. thinking Ngano was going to go for a takedown. And, uh, and I think uh, in this fight, Silgano, you know, it would have to expect that John Jones is going to try and take this to the mat. Uh, so the, I think that just said, that adds an, an element, an intriguing element. Silgano's expecting it, you know, to... Does the takedown defense look any better? Who knows? Uh, the other element, he's, he's planting some uh, some traps in there saying that he, he's lazy and he doesn't really train between fights. I, I think he might be setting, you know, trying to set a, a bit of a mental warfare, setting a trap there. And I think John's onto it because he said the same thing, that he's training as hard as ever so he doesn't care, you know, what Cyril Garn's doing. But not a, not a chance of Cyril Garn 
taking this uh, lying down or lazy. He's he's going to be given everything. I, I cannot wait, boys. There's so many question marks. Uh, I, I would throw on Cyril Garn just because he's an underdog. And as you said, there's so many question marks. I think that's worth throwing a bit on him and, and just seeing, you know, how, how fate uh, occurs. Just trying to picture the body types. The Cyril Garn's a big boy. Big boy. He's a he's big huge. Boy. John Jones is big, but he's like, if I look on the UFC website, right, John Jones is listed at 204 pounds. Cyril Garn's listed at 247 pounds. Yeah. That, I think we'll see John around about the difference. 230 mark. I think we'll see John around 230. 230? I think that's where he said yeah. I think that's where he said he'll he'll look. He um I'm hoping that he's playing some mind games straight back at Cyril Garn because he released a uh, a video of him hitting pads. The man looks slow. The man looked a little slow, a little uh, maybe a little bit gassy, which we've never seen him have issues with his gas tank before, but maybe with the extra weight, who knows? Um, so I'm thinking, I'm praying, I'm hoping and praying that he's released this video showing him looking a little bit slow and then he'll come in. But one thing we haven't really touched on is that this is Jones's first fight without uh, uh, Jackson Winklejohn mm-hmm. in his corner. Um, he's been training with Henry Cejudo after um, Winklejohn kicked him out. Um, so we don't really know how that's going to affect him. Has he surrounded himself with yes men like we've seen previous champions do occasionally and to their detriment? Or has he built a team around him that is going to elevate him to that next level? Uh, which is, which again, I want to see the best possible fight. I want to see the best possible version of these fighters. I don't hope that someone's come in lazy or slow or anything like that. I want to see the the best of these fighters go at it. So, um it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. I'm so excited for it. I'm so keen for it. Every every time I think I'm done with him, I'm I'm back right in. It's so, so annoying. Have we seen any new TikToks of the Holly Holmes and John Jones? Mm. Look, I, I haven't. <laughs> I haven't. But I've seen some nice Insta uh, Holly Holmes had, oh. had a video up today, which I was going to share with the boys, but I thought I better not. I might just throw the podcast into disarray. But big fan of Holly Holmes. All right, boys. Uh, new segment on the potty we're bringing in. Uh, as you notice, uh, we haven't done any picks or um, done a leaderboard this season, but we are going to bring you a little bit of house money locks and we're going to start with UFC 285. Sony. Got your locks for 285? I do, mate. I do. And it's not value picks. It's a big difference no, from when locks. we used to put the multi on. So I'm not looking for any value here. Boys, so I do apologise for the colossal letdown that this is going to be. <laughs> but Bo Nickel is going to beat Jamie Pickett uh, decisively. Uh, that, that is an absolute lock. He's only paying a dollar oh six. Dollar six. But yeah, they've got that markets. absolutely right because they've got Jamie Pickett's yeah. found a, a lot of success as a stand-up striker uh, early in his career. He is going to look like a fish out of water when Bo takes him down very early. I'd say thirty seconds into round number one. Uh, that is as close to a lock as you're ever going to see on a UFC card deal. If it's longer than 90 seconds, it's too long. It's gone too long for that fight. Absolutely. If we want one for more value deal, mm-hmm. look, I'm looking at the at the co-main event. So I'm looking at Valentina. I think uh, <laughs> Grasso, and I know you're a big fan DL, but it absorbs a lot of strikes and, and – well, she's won her last four since since the move up in, in the, the weight class. Um, I, you know, I, I can't dismiss the fact that she lost three of her f- previous five before that, and I just think there, there's a, levels to this game, uh, and I just see Shevchenko slicing through her like a hot knife through butter deal. I, I think that one's also very close to a lock, which might only be a dollar fourteen. So we're, we're not looking at much more value, but they're they're, they're the absolute locks for me, boys. She's uh, Valentina would be motivated from the 
the uh, criticism of last fight. Absolutely, that she just wasn't, yep. and she won the fight. But it's like you just weren't you weren't dominated. You weren't dominating enough. Like yep. that's, that's the, the stand. The standards that's for hard. for their victory is just so much higher mm. because of the caliber of fighter that they are. And Taylor Santos is a fucking beast of a woman as well. Mm. So like ridiculous. All right, let's move on to stat man. I, I can't really hear it perfectly, so I was just waiting for it, waiting for it. Um, my my lock is a bit more value than Stoney's. I think Stoney's nailed the concept of a lock. So uh, mine is <laughs> that's that great. My, we, we'd we still we'd we still be explaining this to yeah, snags. We don't usually <laughs> yeah. get that right the first time. No, we do a seven, I think so. I think I think that I think that Stoney Stoney's got the concept. So mine's, mine's a little bit more riskier, but it is still something that I'm pretty confident will will occur. It's the John Jones Cyril Garn fight will go the distance. Um, I think that. Uh, John Jones has shown an incredible chin. Um, Cyril Garn has shown incredible submission defense. And John Jones has showed a distinct lack of punching and KO power. Um, the only way I can really see that this being finished off is, is maybe a gear team from John Jones or potentially a TKO with elbows if he does manage to get him on the ground. But I think that this is more likely that John Jones will use this if it is John Jones at his peak and Cyril Garn at his peak, I think John Jones will use this to trial 25 minutes at heavyweight, uh, and we will see a heavyweight title fight go the distance at a dollar seventy six. Like it. What's yours, Dale? What's the? Uh, oh, do I get a drum roll? Do yeah, I? Yeah, drum roll. Oh. Yeah, go for it. German, the Monopoly ad, Macca's Monopoly ad. That's what it reminds me of. <laughs> you know when they're putting their thing and they win an instant prize? Yep. And yep. the Monopoly man's behind them? Yep. All right, cool. Um, so look, Great story, Dale. Yeah. Mine, mine, <laughs> mine is a lock and I'm pretty confident, but I've gone, I've chased a tiny bit of value too because I've thrown in some some women's MMA. Sure. And our and our Dangerous. friends at Punchless. Yep. Uh, women's science. Women's science. So... Uh, I've got three women's fights in my five-leg multi. Yep. So chasing a little bit of value. So I've gone Tabitha Ricky. Yep. Uh, taking her at $1.39. I'm going back to the well with Cody Garbrandt. I've <laughs> gone back to the well. Just just, just need to win. I don't care how it happens. Just to win. I don't think they are the concept of a no, lock step, man. Yeah, no, I, I've got full faith in our boy. Cody Garbrandt in your lock parlay? <laughs> what the fuck is happening, man? Honestly, Jesus Christ. But I'm, it's I'm wild. Gonna, I'm throwing in Bo Nichols because that's, you know, it'd be ridiculous not lock. to take dollar six. So it doesn't really do much for a multi, to be honest. Yep. If it's in there or out there, it doesn't really change. It's a nice little tick on your sports bet. It, it is. It's uh, just a pump up. Uh, Amanda Rebus, I've thrown in there because, like, and that's my closest number to a, an even money fight. Yep. Um, but I've continued to put money on Amanda Rebus the whole entire time that she's been in the UFC. Yep. I'll continue to invest, and I'll continue to invest as a lock, 100%. And then I'll take Valentina Shevchenko. And yep. and I think there's value in Shevchenko at $1.14. I think you just need to find maybe you need to dive a little bit more into rounds and um, method of victory and things like that as well. Not so much just going straight out. It's so dangerous trying to predict how Valentina is going to finish the fight because she's just as capable of point fighting a 25-minute fight as she is flash head kick KO or or a beautiful submission. Like she's so um, challenging to kind of predict which version, how she's going to destroy her opponent, that that next fight. And I think you've actually gone the anti 
women's science ADL. Oh, have I? Because the, the, the punch list women's science is that if there's uh, – in WMA, if there's a lopsided fight, you always jump on the, the underdog because no, there's no it? such thing as a lopsided fight. It's always an even money fight. Well, you, you've gone all – for the most part – you got all, favorites. The favorites. all the favourites. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. Which is... Oh, well, Amanda Rebus's opponent was $2. Before Dale jumps on the phone and blasts <laughs> us. I haven't seen much. I, I think uh, the Punchlist boys have been viciously shadow banned because I'm not seeing yeah, yeah, any yeah, yeah, of yeah. their content. Yeah. Which is a we're disgrace not, from Instagram. Yeah, Let, let's start <laughs> seeing if we can join them. <laughs> we'll drag them back. <laughs> well, boys, that's UFC 285. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how that goes. Sunday... Here, uh, I think it starts at pretty normal time too, which is great. So, uh, our main card kicks off at 2 p.m. on the East Coast. Should be good, boys. So, that wraps up the podcast episode 76. If you like what we're doing, please like, share, or subscribe to the podcast. That's episode 76, boys. I'm producer DL. I'm the stat man. And my name is Stoney. And just quickly, DL, yep. there's a segment that we didn't run this week. Oh, sorry. Yes. Stoney's yes, yes. Tool of the Week. It was never going to run uh, because we didn't have an honourable tool. And this is the first time in the history of the segment that I've not been able to locate one. So if anyone's out there, any, if anyone's listening, it, we, we're not going to force the tool. That's the last thing we're going to do. The, if the tool doesn't come organically and naturally, it doesn't doesn't make the podcast step, man. So if you or any of your friends uh, know of a tool or someone worthy of being nominated for the tool, uh, flick us a, a little DM, send your tools to the Runner Back podcast at gmail.com and yep. we'll uh, see what we can do. Oh, I like it. I like it. Nearly forgot about that, Sonny. So oh, thanks for saving me there. Uh, boys, that's a wrap. Uh, we'll see you on the next podcast. <laughs>